At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling for Elisha. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when a centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women who had followed him cared for his needs. Many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem were also there. My first encounter with death was when I was about six or seven, besides the unfortunate goldfish in my life. And it was because my great-grandfather had passed away. I remember the, what was said at his memorial. I only remember one story. I'm sure there were many things that were said. But I remember that there was this mystery about him. We didn't know how old he was. He was either 104 or 94. And you would think, that's a big gap. Well, when he was escaping the Armenian genocide, he traded papers with someone, with a, a missionary, we believe. And as time went on after being here in the States, he just forgot. I remember before the service, we, the family was standing in the room, and we have this strange tradition of allowing people to see the body. 
I was very confused. I didn't understand why his chest looked like it was going up and down, but it wasn't. I didn't understand why he didn't just sit up, smile, and want to give me a hug. Why everyone was crying, and where did he go? There was all of these six- and seven-year-old questions mulling in my head that still, as a 35-year-old, I still have. But the curiosity was in me. I wanted to know what was happening with this death. I wanted to understand where he went. And so I kept creeping closer and closer. And I had the courage just to touch his shoulder. He didn't move. The last three verses of this passage talk about those who witness Christ's death. The ones that are unexpected, the ones that I wasn't quite anticipating. The centurion who had probably heard some stories, some rumors about this Jesus fellow, but had no idea about the prophecy of who he was or this fullness of the story of this man, and yet had such clarity in that moment. Surely, this must be the Son of God. And the women, the women that were present, the ones who had followed him, who had, pro who had provided for him, the ones who definitely were sitting at his feet, listening to his stories, following his move. And why? Because of how he treated them. He saw them. He saw their worth, their goodness, their value. And so they cared for him during his entire ministry. I often my imagination gets pretty vivid, and I, I started thinking, Mary Magdalene and him, there's a lot of rumors about them, and we don't know all of the details, but they were friends. They were connected, and I wondered, what would Mary Magdalene say at Jesus's memorial? What would this friend who saw, his go who saw her goodness what would she say about him? I'm sure there would be stories, stories that we know well and some that we don't, stories of how Christ saw people and treated people so differently than anyone else, how he could see into people's hearts and love them anyways, how he saw into her heart and loved her anyways. I'm sure she was experiencing a myriad of feelings at this time. And I imagine her words would be somewhat similar to this blessing of grief by John O'Donohue. 
When you lose someone you love, your life becomes strange. The ground beneath you gets fragile. Your thoughts make your eyes unsure. And some dead echo drags your voice down where words have no confidence. Your heart has grown heavy with loss. And though this loss has wounded others too, no one knows what has, taken, what has been taken from you when the silence of absence deepens. Flickers of guilt kindle regret for all that was left unsaid or undone. There are days when you wake up happy, again inside the fullness of life, until the moment breaks when you're thrown back into the black tide of loss. Days when you have your heart back, you are able to function well until in the middle of the work or encounter, suddenly with no warning, you're ambushed by grief. It becomes hard to trust yourself. All you can depend on now is that sorrow will remain faithful to itself. More than you, it knows its way and will find the right time to pull and pull the rope of grief until that coiled hill of tears has reduced its last drop. Gradually, you will learn acquaintance with the invisible form of your departed. And when the work of grief is done, the wound of loss will heal, and you will have learned to wean your eyes from the gap in the air and be able to enter the hearth in your soul where your loved one has awaited your return. I imagine in the moment these words would bring some peace to Mary and to those around her. They didn't know the whole story. They thought it was over. And yet here we are on Good Friday, Christ's memorial service. Whereas Dale reflected last night that we remember so that we can re be reminded of our identity, who we are in Christ. We understand the fullness of this story. We get to remember that in two days, Christ did rise again. We get to know the hope that is in Christ. And yet Mary didn't. This unexpected witness sat present in Christ's death. And I pray that this blessing of grief, as we today remember who we are through remembering Christ, will give you peace as we hope for Sunday. Amen.